We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I am your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks so much for joining me today. Today we are going to be going over everyone's favorite position, and that is the quarterback position. We're going to be discussing where Green Bay currently stands at quarterback. We're going to be going over some draft prospects that could make sense. And of course, the quarterback position is in an interesting spot, to say the least, right now with the situation involving Aaron Rodgers. As you have probably noticed over the past couple weeks, I have honed in and focused on the draft and what prospects Green Bay could be targeting, mostly in the first round, but we'll start going over maybe some other options as well. Uh, Today, of course, we'll be going over a variety of quarterbacks that could make sense throughout the draft. But the reason I've done so and I've sort of stayed away from the Rodgers situation and drama is because ultimately at the end of the day, I just expect the Rodgers Jets thing to get done. And to me, until we actually get news of what the trade involved and when it actually gets done, it's sort of been much ado about nothing. However, we're creeping closer into some interesting territory. And for the first time, at least there's some pause or, you know, just general, I I think cause for concern is probably not the word, but I think there's some general, you know, angst and anxiety over like, does, does this thing actually get done? Does it get done prior to the draft? Is there, is there some nerves going on about whether or not Green Bay and New York can actually figure out a deal? I'm not quite there yet. I think I'm, I'm still of the belief that this gets done. I think the draft is still a logical deadline for it to get done. I think Green Bay would love picks in this year's draft. I know there's complications, as I've talked about all along. I think this is one of the most complex trades that you could possibly imagine in the modern NFL. But I do think cooler heads will prevail. I do think Joe Douglas and Brian Gudikins are both very smart people that are capable of working on a deal that is amicable for both sides. But we're starting to get into a point where it's like, all right, like 
it shouldn't take this long. And I know deadlines spur action, as Andrew Brandt always likes to say, but at some point, like you, you know where the, the lines are in the sand. You know what needs to, to be done to get a deal done. And let's just get that deal done. Because as I've said for the past couple of weeks now, Aaron Rodgers wants to be a Jet. The Packers want Aaron Rodgers to be a Jet. The Jets want Aaron Rodgers to be a Jet. So let's make this guy a Jet. And New York, let's just make it so that Green Bay gets something valuable in return. You get your MVP quarterback. You've got a puncher's chance at a Super Bowl this year. Everyone leaves happy. Let's just find that amicable way to get that deal done and ultimately signed, sealed, and delivered so that everyone hopefully can be happy in the end. But until that happens, we're still in this weird, bizarro no man's land, and we don't know what Green Bay is going to get in return, and we don't know if Green Bay has additional draft capital to use, and we don't know where Green Bay ultimately stands at the quarterback position. As of right now, there are three quarterbacks on the roster, Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, and Danny Etling. I think it's safe to say that in some capacity, Aaron Rodgers will not be a quarterback for Green Bay in 2023. As I've said before, that toothpaste is out of the bottle. You cannot get it back in the tube. There is 0% chance that Aaron plays for Green Bay. There is certainly a nuclear option in there where both sides, like we don't even want to go over that because again, it's it's such a awful situation for everyone involved. It'd be awful for Aaron. It'd be awful for Green Bay. It'd be awful for the Jets. So I still believe that this ultimately gets done, but I I very much believe no matter what, Aaron will not be a quarterback in Green Bay in 2023, which leaves you at the moment with Jordan Love and with Danny Atling. Now, we know that Green Bay needs a backup quarterback in some way. If you're hoping that Green Bay goes and gets a veteran QB, I did a whole episode on that of some veteran QBs that could be available. So you can certainly check that out. I'm not going to go over, you know, you could look at a Matt Ryan, you could go over Carson Wentz, you could go in a variety of different directions. As I mentioned in that episode, and very briefly I'll say it here, is that Green Bay doesn't have much money to play with, right? There's just not a lot of funds available to use on this season. Do you really want to use whatever funds that you have on a backup quarterback for Jordan Love? Like, I just don't think that that makes a ton of sense. I think if you do have some money to spend, you would love to go out and bolster this roster in other ways and not have to necessarily go out there and spend money on a Carson Wentz or on a Matt Ryan or whatever other veteran backup QB, you know, fits your fancy. I just don't think that that's the best use of Green Bay's resources right now, especially in a year where you're ultimately trying to evaluate Jordan Love and what he can do in Green Bay as a starting quarterback. So I would love to see them spend money elsewhere and not necessarily at backup QB, which would ultimately lead me to believe that Green Bay would very much like to find a backup QB in this year's draft. So that is one thing I'm sure they would love to acquire in this year's draft. The second thing is you would love some Jordan Love insurance, if you will. If, if you're a GM, you always want to give yourself outs. You always want to give yourself options. You never want to be backed into a corner. You never want to be in, in the point where Jordan Love is everything. If Love fails, you as a GM and you as an organization fail. And if Love succeeds, you as a GM and you as an organization will succeed. And all of your chips are in the middle on one quarterback. And if you go bust, it's over and you have no outs remaining. So I'm sure that Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur and the organization as a whole would like to give themselves some insurance that if Jordan Love does not turn out, you have another viable option that, hey, maybe this guy could turn out. Now, the way this draft is set up, I'm not super 
confident that Green Bay can get the second piece of that, meaning the Jordan Love insurance. I'm sure they can get a guy, but not certainly somebody that you're feeling super great about as a potential future starter or future, you know, especially long-term or high-end starter in the draft. And then, you know, the only way you get that would probably be spending a first round pick, which not sure Green Bay wants to go in that direction either. So if we're looking specifically at quarterbacks in this draft, and I'm going to go over some names and some reasons and everything like that in just a moment, I think what you're ultimately targeting is a player who can come in and compete to be your backup quarterback from day one and maybe has some starting caliber upside. Now, finding that quarterback is going to be very, very hard, and we'll go over why in just a moment. Now, for those of you who remember the Favre to Rogers transition, and this has been pointed out by numerous people in the past, including yours truly, but it's been out there very much so, is that when Rogers took over for Favre and was it was his legitimate successor and it was ready, to, it was time to start Aaron, what did they do in that draft? They went out and they drafted Brian Brom in the second round and Matt Flynn in the seventh round. Basically, what did I just talk about? Giving yourself outs and getting yourself some insurance. If Aaron doesn't turn out, well, we've got a second round pick in Brian Brown, many who were expecting at that time to be a maybe even early first round pick. We've given ourselves another option. And then we get a flyer backup quarterback type option in Matt Flynn in the seventh round. Now, the first thing I'll say is that when you're taking players on day three of the draft, I've said this a million times, position doesn't matter. Just grab yourself some players that you think have legitimate upside as a player. So it, the, the position does not matter. At that point, Matt Flynn was the best player on the board. They grabbed Matt Flynn. He just happened to be a quarterback. But Brian Brom seemed pretty intentional that they went out and they specifically got a quarterback who, again, many thought would go round one. They take him at the beginning of round two in that draft. And now they have a legitimate second option if Aaron doesn't turn out. Now, as things turned out, A, Aaron very much did turn out. B, Brian Brown very much did not turn out. It was out of the league very quickly. And C, Matt Flynn actually beat out Brian Brown for the backup spot as soon as that season. So it, it didn't go according to plan with what Green Bay did in that situation. But you can see exactly what they were thinking. You can see that they were willing to give themselves some insurance and just basically give themselves a couple swings at it and say, hey, if Aaron doesn't turn out, we got this other guy who maybe could be a legitimate starting quarterback in the draft. And it ultimately just turned out that Aaron was the guy, Brian was not. That's fine. Uh, but I can understand why Green Bay maybe wanted to take a shot and give themselves, again, some insurance so that they didn't have all their eggs in one basket, so to speak. So I could understand if Green Bay wanted to go in that direction. The issue is even finding that Brian Brom type player to take in like the second round is very, very difficult in this year's draft class. Speaking of which, let's go over the quarterbacks in this year's draft, or at least like the overarching what's available at quarterback. And I'll start with, there are four legitimate first round picks in this draft. You know the names, Stroud, and then uh, obviously you've got um, Bryce Young, you've got Anthony Richardson, and then Will Levis. So those are your top four. You then have a Hendon Hooker, who is a first round, second round, somewhere in that range. And then the entire draft at quarterback basically falls off a cliff after that. So four guys that probably go in the top 15. And then one quarterback who maybe could go end of round one, early to mid round two, maybe could fall a little bit further than that, but is probably in that range. 
And then I don't think you get another quarterback taken until round four, day three, at the very, very earliest. It just, like I said, it falls off a cliff. And the difference between Hendon Hooker as your fifth quarterback and the next available guy, whoever you have on your list, there I've seen everyone have a variety of different players as the sixth quarterback in this draft. Whoever it is, is a day three fourth round-ish pick at the very, very best, in my honest opinion. So that is the situation that Green Bay is looking at. And again, if they don't want to take a quarterback in round one, that takes those four top quarterbacks off the board. And then you're just looking at Hendon Hooker as a potential, you know, maybe he's there in the round, in, in the second round for them. And then you, again, are scrambling for quarterbacks as even that could, even like could be a backup option in 2023. So the, 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 the the Green Bay is in basically like no man's land with with the quarterbacks in this draft. Whereas the the top four guys might even all be gone by fifteen, and then you're not taking Hendon Hooker at fifteen. And by the time they pick again in round two, he's gone. And then there's nobody worth taking in round three. And then round four, you're taking guys that may not even be backup quarterback capable in 2023. So that makes it very difficult for a team that we know wants a backup quarterback. We know wants somebody who could potentially be a Jordan Love insurance piece. And then we know that Green Bay just ultimately needs bodies at the position and probably doesn't want to spend money on it in free agency. I'm sure that they would like this quarterback board to stack up a little bit differently and be a bit more advantageous for Green Bay. I just don't know that this is ultimately the draft that that happens for Green Bay, which is, of course, a little bit disadvantageous. Now, as we look at some quarterbacks who could make sense for Green Bay, it's worth looking at what Green Bay likes to target or what Green Bay specifically likes at the quarterback position. Overall, they like tall-ish quarterbacks. Think think about 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", somewhere in that range. Big hands. And listen, I get the absurdity of NFL draft season where we are measuring everything and taking everything super ridiculously and measuring corner to corner on hand size seems super ridiculous. However, in the NFC North, specifically in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where you get very crappy weather, where you get high winds, extreme colds, you have to go on the road and play in Chicago, which has the same thing. When you have all of those things that you have to deal with, yeah, having big hands to take care of the football to make sure that you are, you know, when you have the frozen ball at Lambeau Field, that you can still grip it and rip it. It is something that is legitimately valuable. You want a quarterback with a strong arm. You want somebody who can grip the ball really well. How many times have we seen Aaron Rodgers take a blindside shot and still be able to hang on to the ball because he has these insanely huge hands that he's just like gripping the quarterback, like grim death. Like he doesn't allow that ball to a lot of times, even when he's jarred, like those huge hands serve him extremely well. It just allows you to torque the ball a little bit more and uh, get a little bit more velocity on it at times. So it matters. I know it sounds stupid. I know it sounds ridiculous. Is it the be all end all? No. And does it matter maybe as much if you're playing in Tampa or in a dome or Houston, those sort of things? No, it, it probably doesn't. But when you're playing in Green Bay, having bigger hands, grip the ball, ball security, all those things, it does matter just a little bit more. And to be able to rip the ball through some really crappy weather, some high winds, those sort of things, that stuff can really make a difference. So it makes sense why they look for that. So big hands. They want athleticism, both for Matt LaFleur's offense and just in the modern day NFL. You want somebody who can make secondary plays if your first play doesn't work out. Somebody who can buy a little bit of time, you know, whether that's in the pocket or outside of the pocket. 
and just be able to stay mobile and keep plays alive, that that is huge in the modern NFL. So you know that Green Bay is going to want some athleticism at the position. And then you would like to see some plus decision-making specifically for Matt LaFleur's offense. This is something where you need to go through progressions. You need to understand exactly what Matt LaFleur wants to accomplish on the play. And you have to have some football IQ and smarts to be able to run this Matt LaFleur system. Does it make it easy at times for your quarterback? Yes, that's what Matt LaFleur's system is designed to do. But you can't just be like one read and done. You know, Brett Hundley in college was one read and done, take off. Like you can't be that. You have to be able to go through progressions. You have to be able to make good decisions. You can't throw into cover. Like all of those things specifically matter for any offense, but very much so in Matt LaFleur's offense. So tall-ish, 6'2 or higher, big hands, athleticism, decision-making. Those are the things that Green Bay is looking for. And if you look at their current QB room, which includes Aaron Rodgers for the time being, they sort of have a type. 6'2", 225, 6'4", 219, 6'3", 220, all of them athletic. Rodgers, uh, Danny Etling, Jordan Love, all athletic, all big hands, all 6'2 or higher, all basically 220 or higher. They're all very much in that exact same mold. So we can kind of get an exact idea for what Green Bay is looking for. And that goes back even further than that. That is absolutely the type of QB that they have wanted to bring to Green Bay for just about ever. So again, we can start limiting the quarterbacks or at least viewing which quarterbacks might be the ones that they start targeting in this year's draft based on that. So that brings us to the big question, the ultimate question. Would Green Bay take a quarterback in round one? Is that something that they theoretically could do? That's a very tough question. And I think ultimately the answer is no. Let me start by saying there is incredible value for taking a quarterback in round one. Quarterback is such an important position. And if you look at look at it analytically for what you could potentially get the best value for your dollar out of by taking a player in the first round of the draft... Like quarterback is here and nothing else is even close. So you look at importance of position, you look at how much a, like look at Derek Carr in free agency and what his contract goes for. Like even a below average meh quarterback in free agency goes for massive money. Even a quarterback who's about to turn 40 years old, who has a $60 million contract and is coming off the worst season of his career might get a first round pick in return. Like it is so hard to find NFL caliber quarterbacks that if you have one, they are so valuable and the value in round one for taking a quarterback analytically is just higher than any other position. So you could look at it that way and say, hey, if that's ultimately what's the best player available on the board, you match that up with the analytics of potentially hitting on a quarterback and the value is through the roof at that position. Okay. You can make an argument for that. I think the, on the flip side, you have to ask yourself, what does that do for Jordan Love? Now, maybe being the competitor that he is, maybe he takes that as a challenge and says, okay, you're going to go out and draft a QB in the first round just after I get named the starter. All right, I'm going to take that and I'm going to run with it. And I'm going to show you that that was one of the dumbest picks that you've ever made, just like Aaron did with Green Bay taking Brian Brown in the second round. But man, for a quarterback in Jordan Love, that is finally getting his opportunity, who is finally going to be the starting QB of Green Bay, to feel like you're the guy for like a millisecond. And Green Bay hasn't even come out and said that yet. They haven't come out and said like, Jordan Love is our starter. We can't wait. We're so excited. They've you know, intimated that he's going to be their starter. 
They've said, you know, they're excited about Jordan and things like that, but they haven't been able to go all in because they want to at least give the Jets the impression that they'll just keep Aaron. So they haven't even been able to do that quite yet. So that vote of confidence hasn't quite been there, even though it's implied. And now you're just going to go out and draft a QB in the first round. You've got to think that that is not great for Jordan Love at this standpoint and what that could potentially do for his psyche. As I mentioned, from a organizational standpoint, you would love to give yourself an out just in case Jordan Love doesn't turn out, that you've got another first-round pick that, hey, if Jordan doesn't turn out, we've got this other guy and maybe he can turn out, whether that's a Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, you know, Stroud, Young, etc., Hooker, you know, Hedden Hooker. There's a variety of ways you could go with it, but at least you have a second option now if Love, for some reason, doesn't turn out. That said, do you really want to run your organization as like a, okay, we're going to we're gonna basically just bake in insurance in case guys don't work out. No, you need as an organization to have the conviction, if you're going to have the conviction of moving up in the first round to, to draft Jordan Love, to develop him and make him a good starter. And so, yes, I'm sure you would love some insurance, but I'm not sure that that's the best reason to go out and make a first round pick at quarterback. And I mean, the next question would be is, can you just go out and trust your board? If Will Levis is the highest remaining player on your board and you're picking at pick 15 and Will Levis is there, do you just take him? Do you just stick to the the Ted Thompson, Ron Wolf, Brian Gutekunst mantra of, hey, best player available? And if he's the if he's the highest player on the board, we're taking Will Levis. And it's as simple as that. We're not going to overthink things. We went through the entire process. We scouted every one of these players. We put an entire board together, ranking them from best to worst. And by the time the draft came to us, the highest player on our board was Will Levis. We're going to take Will Levis. Do you just trust your board? I'm not sure. And the reason is partially what we talked about with Jordan Love and the, not exactly giving him a vote of confidence, but the optics on this are insanely brutal. And this is why I just don't think you can take a quarterback in round one this year. You had Aaron Rodgers as your starting quarterback, and he would go on after you drafted Jordan Love to win two more MVPs. This was clearly still a quarterback who was starting to see a decline when they had drafted Jordan Love, who bounced back in a major way from that decline, but was still, even after his de- a little bit of a decline, was still at that point, a starting quarterback in the NFL who you could build a team around. And you had a team that was coming off an NFC championship game appearance. And instead of building around Aaron, you decided to move up, trading up in the first round to go get Jordan Love to potentially be the successor for Aaron Rodgers. So fast forward to Aaron Rodgers MVPs later and three seasons later, where you had Aaron and had opportunities to get to a Super Bowl, didn't get there. You've made the decision that you are going to trade away Aaron Rodgers and you are going to go with Jordan Love as your starter. You were finally going to give him the opportunity. And now after trading away Aaron, assuming that that happens, after trading away Aaron and finally moving to Jordan Love, who you moved up in the first round for, to be your quarterback and have now traded away the face of your franchise for you're going to draft a quarterback at pick 15 in that same year that you finally moved to Jordan after spending the first round pick plus to go up and get him? Like the optics on that are really, really bad. And I get, you know what? Sometimes optics be damned. You got to pick the best player available on your board. I understand it. That's what Green Bay did when they selected and moved up for Jordan Love. They said optics be damned and they got their guy. But now you get your guy, you actually get to start your guy 
and you're going to draft a first round quarterback, I, it's a very, very tough pill to swallow. And why I just don't think like, I think you just wait until the next draft and say, Hey, if, if Jordan doesn't work out this year, we'll reevaluate it in next year's draft. But picking one at pick 15 this year, especially when they haven't been able to basically put anything into this offseason because all of their resources are tied up in large part due to Aaron Rodgers' contract and trading that away and taking a massive cap hit on this year's salary by trading away Aaron Rodgers. Like all of that goes into this. And now you're going to use like the biggest resource you have to actually add to this team and you're adding another quarterback. I, I just don't think that they could do it. Now, if, if, somehow Green Bay got pick 13. Maybe, I don't, I still don't think so, but maybe that opens up a little bit more opportunity. Like maybe if at pick 13, they get Jackson Smith and Jigba and then pick 15, Will Levis or Anthony Richardson is on the board and he just happens to be the highest player available. Could you go in that direction? Maybe. I could understand it a little bit more, but I still think the optics are really, really tough, especially because there's going to be other talented players that are on the board at pick 15 still. So, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm telling you that it, it's there's a slight possibility, but I just think from an optics standpoint, and I just think based on this crazy offseason already at the quarterback position, adding more to that by taking a quarterback at pick 15 is not only not what's best for this franchise right now. I just think as a GM, it makes you it it, it doesn't look good overall. And I, like I said, I, I think you just have to trust Jordan on this season, and then course correct next year if Jordan ultimately doesn't work out. At the end of the day, I think it looks awful right now, but GMs and coaches love, as I mentioned earlier, love having outs. They don't want to be tied to just one player. I mean, Brian is going to be tied to Jordan Love in some capacity for his entire GM career because he went up and got him when he had Aaron and now is going to trade away Aaron. But if you're a GM and and head coach, if you're Matt LaFleur and Jordan Love doesn't turn out, the clock is ticking immediately on your job. And if you want to keep your job, you want to make sure that you've given yourself opportunities to keep that job. And if Jordan doesn't turn out, things start getting a little bit iffy very, very quick. I don't think Brian can do it. I don't think Brian should do it. But if there is one reason that maybe they do decide to take a quarterback early, that would be the reason is to basically buy themselves a little bit more time in the event that Jordan ultimately doesn't turn out. I don't think that's going to be the case. But that would, if they did, to me, it would almost be um, self-preservation for for Goody to give himself another opportunity just in case Jordan didn't turn out. And like I said, I don't think that's the reason that you make picks. That's not the best ultimate move for your franchise. So that's where I stand on it. Now, let's go over some of these quarterbacks quick. And I've said this previously, but I'll say it again. I think all four of these quarterbacks are extremely talented. I think if anyone wanted to make the argument for taking any four of them with the first overall pick, I could understand it. I think there's a pecking order here. I like Stroud first, followed by Bryce Young, followed by Anthony Richardson, followed by Will Levis. If you like Young over Stroud, I certainly get that. I could understand that as well. If you wanted to take Anthony Richardson first, I could understand that as well. They're very, very interesting quarterbacks with different strengths and different weaknesses. I will say this, I'm not going to go into deep dive here with CJ Stroud and Bryce Young because I think both of those quarterbacks are gone. And if you told me either were available at 15, either A, like the entire draft community missed the boat in some capacity and just misevaluated these two quarterbacks entirely, or we had a Laramie Tunsil gas mask situation where one of these quarterbacks fell for a reason. And if they did, it's probably not Green Bay that's stopping the fall at pick 15. Let's just put it that way. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Anthony Richardson, I think there is an outside chance that he could fall to pick 15. I don't think it's likely. I don't think it's probable, but maybe an, a, a small outside chance. If that happened, I, I just don't think he's Green Bay's he, athletically and what we talked about from their thresholds and everything like that. He absolutely fits what Green Bay's looking for. I think if you look at the precision and the decision-making and the actual quarterbacking that goes into Matt LaFleur's offense, I'm not sure Anthony Richardson makes the most sense for that reason. I view Anthony Richardson as like a baseball prospect that has power for days, who has speed for days, who has a rocket laser arm, but he can't hit to save his life right now. And what I mean by that is he can hit the home runs. He can, he has, if he gets on the base pad, he has the speed. If he, you know, if he gets the ball in the outfield, he's got the rocket arm, but he just can't get on base consistently. He might hit like, you know, 200, might hit 200 with 40 steals and 40 home runs. And like, the question is, is like, do all the highlight plays, all the stolen bases, all the home runs, or in this case is the huge touchdown passes and the 60 yard runs. Those are all awesome. Those are flashy highlight level plays but can he complete enough consistent passes and just keep the chains moving enough that he's going to have like that it's going to be efficient enough to be a phenomenal starter. I think I think the hard things are there for Richardson. The fact that he is a good deep ball thrower and he can certainly still get better. The fact that he um, has the, the the crazy arm talent, the fact that he is an incredible athlete, has amazing size, like all the things that you can't teach are there for days and he's a really fun prospect. But he has to learn the position, and that's going to take some time. But man, the, the upside is crazy, and he might have the most upside of any player in this entire draft. And if you hit on him, look the heck out. You have a MVP quarterback for you know decade plus. So I think he's a really fun prospect. Like I said, I, I could foresee a team taking him first overall. I just don't see if he falls to 15. I, I don't know that that makes the most sense for Green Bay for all the reasons we discussed already, but I just don't think he's a perfect fit for Matt LaFleur's offense. And that brings us to Will Levis, a quarterback who could potentially be there at 15 and is a very Green Bay-esque quarterback. This is very much a Packers-Goody type QB. And 
if you were to take a blind taste test, so to speak, at quarterback and just watched and you couldn't tell who it was and you watched Levis and Stroud and Richardson and Young and you watched him on a play action fake and a 15 yard pass and a 20 yard pass and a huge touchdown throw and just you got a you just you got a random cut up of each of the players doing those exact things will levis would look like the most nfl quarterback to you with a blind taste test that's that's how i believe it to be crazy quick release perfect size looks the part now there's a lot of parts of his game that he's going to need to work on and he is toolsy. He is a legitimate prospect. He is all the things that teams look for, but he needs to learn how to quarterback better. That's legitimately true. You know, the the Josh Allen comp is there. Like Josh Allen, crazy arm talent, insane uh, agility, quick release, mobility, all of it. But his last year at Wyoming was rough. It was rough to look at. And there was a little bit of that with Will Levis at times too. 6'3", 229. He'll be 24 in June. Athletic, huge hands, insane release, huge arm. You know, I love that he can, you know, just absolutely rip the ball and you could, he would fit perfectly in that weather and in those situations that we talked about earlier. Right now, I think he's a better thrower than he is a quarterback. Like he has the arm, he has everything, but he doesn't know how to exactly play the position quite yet. And that's normal for guys coming out of college, but it's going to take him a little bit to probably transition from college to the NFL. This would be a traits upside pick. And you want to know who we wouldn't be that dissimilar from? Jordan Love. Like we like there's a legitimate Jordan Love to this where, you know, he had a really great, you know, year prior to his final year. And then in his final year, we saw, you know, Wandell Robinson and a lot of pieces on his offense leave. He got a new offensive coordinator and he struggled more in his final year than he did in the previous year. That's very Jordan Love. But the upside was tremendous. The mobility, the arm, all of it, all of it's there. All of it is there. But struggled in his final year more than people were expecting. And that's probably going to hold him back a little bit. This is this is Jordan Love all over again. Again, would and, and he could legitimately be there at pick 15. For all the reasons I said earlier, I don't think Green Bay can select him at 15. I don't think it's I don't think it's best. I don't think it's great optics. But man, that is exactly the type of QB Green Bay looks for. It would give them the love insurance, would give them an immediate backup, would be, you know, fun to watch him in training camp and preseason. That's just an expensive price to pay for a current backup quarterback and somebody that you're hoping doesn't beat out Jordan Love. You're hoping that Love is just great and is going to be the guy. So I think it's tough, but that that would be probably, if you told me Green Bay selected a quarterback in the first two days of the draft, I would say they drafted Will Levis at pick 15. None of it, none of the other stuff really makes sense. I don't think Hendon Hooker in round two makes sense. Like if let's go over Hooker really quick. 6'3, 217, sixth year senior out of Tennessee. He's 25 already. He will turn 26 in January. And he's coming off a torn ACL. He's not even gonna be able to be your backup quarterback this year. So you're drafting your guy in probably the second round. If he would get there to Green Bay in the second round, which I'm not even sure. And even if he does, he can't be your backup to at least to begin the year because he has he is coming off that torn ACL. And like the, the upside is already limited because he's going to be 26 in January in this NFL season. And, and he's still a, like a project. He's not a finished QB by any stretch of the imagination. Now he probably would have been a first round pick had he been, you know, totally healthy, but the age thing is a legitimate concern as well. And so he doesn't give you the backup. There is some upside. There is some starting quarterback potential. There's no question about it, but he is still a project. He's going to be 26 in this upcoming season. And again, he can't even be your backup this year. And also probably in no man's land, probably goes before Green Bay in round two and they're not taking him in round one. 
So I, I don't see him being the pick either. So if you, again, if you told me that Green Bay took a quarterback in the first two days of the draft, I would feel pretty confident because I think Stroud's gone. I think Young's gone. I think Richardson's gone. I think Hooker's not in play for them. I don't think any other quarterback gets taken in the first two days of the draft. So I would be probably betting you that they took Will Levis at pick 15. That might be the only situation that makes sense. Not saying they should do it. Not saying they will do it. But if you got in your DeLorean and you know said, hey, I, I just got back from the future and Green Bay took a quarterback in the first two days of the draft, who do you think it is? I would be telling you it was probably Will Levis at 15. All right. There are two other quarterbacks on day three of this draft that I think makes sense for Green Bay. Clayton Toon out of Houston and Tyson Bajant, who is out of Shepherd University. I want to go over both of those two really quick because I think those are the two draftable quarterbacks on day three that by far and away make the most sense for the Packers. Clayton Toon, 6'2", 220 pounds. Does that sound familiar? 6'2", 220, the exact size threshold that you're looking for. He's a fifth-year senior out of the University of Houston. He just turned 24 in March, so not young, but like he's not overaged yet. And that's like a decent, you know, age for a you know senior quarterback who has experience playing in college for multiple seasons. So that's fine. He had the best three cone of any quarterback in the combine this year. So that it shows his agility and his, you know, potential to keep plays alive and even that mobility in the pocket, which is super important. He's agile, solid arm, good size, good athlete. Um, he has slightly smaller hands than you'd probably like, but I don't think it's going to be anything super concerning. It's still within an okay range is what I would say. And then if you really want to see Clayton Toon in action, watch his comeback against Memphis this past season, and you will get a great feel for the type of competitor that he is. He made a couple plays in that game on fourth down that were so impressive, like just buying time with his legs, making plays with his legs, running for a first down, rolling to the right, and then throwing across to the middle of the field in an insanely low percentage throw that he had to make on fourth down that he somehow found a way to complete. And they came back and they won that game against Memphis in incredible fashion. And that was in large part due to Clayton Toon. And it was really fun to watch. And you can really get the feel for the type of competitor and gamer and baller that he is at the position. And again, he has all the thresholds for the most part, like in slightly smaller hands. But overall, this is a very fun prospect. I, he's legit to me, the only day three quarterback who could really come in and compete for a backup quarterback job on day one and also has some potential starting quarterback upside. There's nobody else on day three of the draft that I feel is ready to be a backup quarterback already and could potentially be a starter down the line. This is the guy. And I do think he's going to need to speed up his processing in the NFL. He's going to just have to become a better overall quarterback. But if you look at all of the just intangibles that he has at the position, the size, the athleticism, the mobility, the arm, all of it, this is this is a legitimate quarterback prospect that I think you can probably get in the fourth round of the draft. And I think Clayton Toon, fourth round, would make a ton of sense for Green Bay. Like I said, maybe give them a opportunity at a backup this year and maybe some potential upside down the road if you would ultimately need it as well. And then Tyson Bajant is another one, a uh, Division II quarterback from Shepard University, 6'3", 213, so just seven pounds below that threshold, but not by much. Fifth-year senior, only turns 23 in June. So despite having five years of play in Division II, he still only is going to be 23 in June. Completed almost 70% of his passes this past year, 4,580 yards, 41 touchdowns, eight picks. Yes, it was at Division II, so that's worth noting good arm, winning mentality, team captain, didn't run almost at all, but does show some ability to extend plays and make plays, you know, outside of the pocket, which is going to be important. 
Now, D2 to the NFL, really, really tough. But if you got him in the seventh round, I see some upside there. I see some potential backup quarterback ability. And this is somebody who just constantly won. Yes, it's at D2. I get it. It's going to be a transition. But I like the way he threw the ball. He's got a good enough arm. He's got good size, good mobility. Like there's something there. There's something that you could potentially tap out of that and maybe get a legitimate backup out of it with maybe some lower tier starting capability down the road. But this is a seventh round pick and not too dissimilar from a Matt Flynn. If you can get anything out of it, you feel pretty good about it. So those would be the two guys that I think are legitimate day three picks for Green Bay that they could be very interested in. Two undrafted guys that I'm not going to go into deep detail in, Sean Clifford out of Penn State, who they just brought in, and then Adrian Martinez. Those are two guys that hit the sort of size, weight, agility sort of thresholds that if Green Bay were to take a guy or like bring a guy in as an undrafted free agent, those would be the guys. And we know Green Bay likes bringing in you know, some, some undrafted caliber players that they are going to basically try to recruit before they're undrafted free agents. Don't be surprised if that's Sean Clifford out of Penn State. Good toughness, good agility, good athleticism. Needs to work on a lot of things as a NFL caliber quarterback, but has some things that you like to work with. And I think he could be a very nice undrafted free agent as well. Overall, this is not an ideal draft situation for the Packers at quarterback. I don't think they want to take anyone you know, round one. I don't think round two has anyone worth taking. Even Hendon Hooker, that would be a little bit of a tough pill to swallow, even if they took him with a second round pick. And then you're starting to talk about nobody that's worthwhile in the third and maybe Clayton Toon that would be like worthwhile in the fourth. And those, like I said, that that's, that's putting a lot of... Um, you know, if you don't get tuned in the fourth, like now you're just really reaching for somebody and might not just get somebody who has the ability to be a backup, which might have, you know, you might have to re, you know, reevaluate and revisit the, the veteran quarterbacks at that point. Overall, would not hate if Green Bay pulled a similar Brom Matt Flynn, but instead of second round and seventh round, went fourth round and seventh round and went Clayton Toon and Bajant in the seventh. Like I think those two would make good sense at where you could find both of them. And if you would go into training camp with Jordan Love, Clayton Toon, Danny Etling, and Tyson Bajant as your four quarterbacks, I could live with that. I think that's a fun you know, group of four to go into camp with, with Love getting the vast majority of the reps, and then Etling and Bajant and Toon battling it out for the backup quarterback job. I think that would be fun. And like I said, I think you get two quarterbacks with some legitimate upside. How far they can reach on that upside will remain to be seen, but those are the two that I would be looking at on day three of the draft. Again, Clayton Toon and Tyson Bajant. Green Bay needs a quarterback. I expect them to draft at least one in some capacity. Maybe they get one of those undrafted guys, maybe a Sean Clifford or an Adrian Martinez as an undrafted if they can only draft one. Um, I don't think they necessarily have to pick one, but I'm sure they would love one. And I do expect them to take one in this draft. And again, keep an eye on Clayton Toon and Tyson Bajant. That is going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.